Hello, and welcome back to another episode of the ASSFN podcast. I'm Danica Paulo, PGY6 neurosurgery resident at Vanderbilt. I'm Tessa Harland. I am a PGY4 at Albany Medical College. And I'm Robert Zeekman. I'm a PGY5 at Temple. And today we have with us Dr. Politzis to talk with us about the role of organized neurosurgery in career development. Um, I'd like to start with a formal introduction of our guest. So she is Dean of the Charles E. Smith College of Medicine and Vice President for Medical Affairs at Florida Atlantic University, where she is the first female neurosurgeon to become Dean of a medical school. Prior to joining FAU, Dr. Politz has served as Division Chief of Functional Neurosurgery and Chair and Professor of the Basic Neuroscience Department at Albany Medical College in New York. To date, she has served as Chair of the Joint Section on Pain of the American Association of Neurologic Surgeons and Congress of Neurologic Surgeons, as well as the AANS-CNS Chair of Joint Section for Women in Neurosurgery. She is currently President-Elect of the American Society for Stereotactic and Functional Neurosurgery and the North American Neuromodulation Society. She began the NANS and INS Women in Neuromodulation section, where she was the first chair and continues to serve as a senior advisor. In addition to her over 200 published articles, she is on the editorial board for multiple journals, including Neuromodulation and Journal of Neurosurgery. We could not think of a better person to talk with us about the role of organized neurosurgery in career development. Dr. Politzis, it is such an honor to have you as a guest today. Thanks so much, Dr. Harlan. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to sit down with uh, the three of you today. So we've heard a lot about the numerous positions you've held and you know the instrumental roles you've had at these organizations. So let's start at the beginning. Can you tell us about your journey into organized neurosurgery and how you first got involved? Um, so what was behind your initial motivation and what kind of roles did you initially start with? Uh, th well, thanks for asking. You know, it, it's funny when you're going through things and you wonder what the outcome is going to be. And, you know, I couldn't have predicted this at the time. So uh, I was part of uh, my residency program at Wayne State. And one of um, the reasons I had opted to go there is there was a PhD built into the program. And my chair had a great policy where if you got a abstract accepted, you know, you could go to the meeting. Um, and I got to go to lots of cool places based on that. So then I was at these meetings and I had some faculty that were involved in um, organized neurosurgery. Uh, you know, two that I'd like to call out were Holly Gilmer, who was involved in women in neurosurgery, and Jeff Brown, who was involved in the AANS uh, pain section. And so, um, I don't really think they even gave me a choice about whether I was coming to the committee meetings with them or just going. And so, in fact, um, you know, they just started bringing me to the, the meetings and um, I became kind of a familiar face at the meetings. And this was really beneficial um, in that, you know, when they were looking for people to take on roles and leadership roles, uh, they were so used to having me sit around the table that, you know, they didn't know how fresh out of training I was and so I was able to rise through the ranks pretty quickly. And that kind of leads to my next question in terms of you know once you had your foot in the door so to speak how did you move up the ladder and advance 
um, and these organizations? Like what helped you achieve this upward momentum? Uh, great question. And, you know, um, I think that one of the things to do is to pay attention because there's always plenty of work to do and to see what you're interested in doing. And um, I, I learned this a little bit the hard way in that, you know, some people are interested in more things uh, than others. So um, I've done a lot of newsletters over my tenure in organized neurosurgery, but I, I got wiser as time went on. And um, one of the things I was really interested in was uh, medical student involvement. And so I, I think that probably one of the major roles that um, I got that had some visibility was creating mentorship pathways for medical students. And there were so many groups um, involved in this, you know, virtually every section was interested in this and being able to kind of... Um, work with all the different sections where uh, I knew people or I was involved allowed for that to be a pretty robust effort. So in fact, I was, um, I think I led the WINS medical school mentorship program for five or seven years. And um, that was really something I think that the catapulted uh, things in organized neurosurgery forward, as well as things in my uh, career outside organized neurosurgery. And I guess, you know, the next question is, how did you go about balancing these organizational responsibilities with your your clinic responsibilities and your clinical duties? Yeah, you know, I, I it's um, there were meetings that I remember going to when I was in the AANS and CNS where literally um, I didn't have time to breathe and I was triple booked and supposed to be at three different places. So, you know, that was a crazy time. Um, I think one of the secrets towards balancing anything is really having it be of interest to you. So, you know, I, I think that as soon as you hear something of interest to you, volunteer, uh, because it's a lot harder to motivate and find time and make this space when it's something that you, you have to do. Um, you know, for me, those things tend to fall to the bottom of my uh, inbox. And so if you're passionate about something, I think it's a lot easier to uh, find the motivation um, to, to get it done. And along those lines, overall, what have you found to be the most rewarding aspect of organized leadership? And in contrary, what has been the most challenging aspects of, um, you know, being involved in organized neurosurgery? So, you know, I think that um, it, it's a lot of work. And I think, you know, to your point, there's moments when you're doing that work and, you know, you're burning the candle at all ends um, and probably in the middle too, where you say, why am I doing this? You know, should I be spending this time? Uh, so, you know, I think making the time is probably the most challenging because, you know, it has to come at the expense of, other things. Um, I think for me, it probably, um, frankly, it probably delayed me getting uh, my research program started as much as possible. I like to do a lot of different things. So, you know, it probably was appealing to my ADHD and I probably wouldn't have done anything different um, if I had to do it again. But, you know, I, I think that 
uh, there's a finite amount of time. In terms of things that are most rewarding, there were um, there were a lot of things that re were rewarding. I, I think that if I had to pick a kind of one, uh, Women in Neurosurgery was a separate organization from the AANS and CNS. And um, during my tenure, uh, we we got it to become a section. And I think that was really meaningful for me in that, um, you know, this could really be kind of a um, a legacy kind of uh, interaction or, or something that um, I was involved in, just because I think that could help so many after me. Dr. Blitzes, thank you for sharing your story. Um, how are some of the ways that being involved in organized neurosurgery impacted your career uh, even early on? And what kind of skills and resources did it help you uh, develop? Uh, you know, it really actually had a tremendous impact on multiple aspects of my career. So um, one of the uh, things I was involved in early on was um, CSNS. And so that was really transformative into my understanding of uh, the healthcare system and healthcare economics in my own practice and in my community. So I, I think that from a general knowledge standpoint and a um, understanding how to function in an ecosystem standpoint, that was really remarkable. Um, in general terms, uh, uh, rising through the ranks and, you know, being a secretary treasurer or uh, president elect or president of these organizations, you learn a lot about organizational structure. And um, if you get it wrong, it, it, it's not it's not that big of a deal. Um, and I, I don't mean that flippantly, but, you know, you, you get to learn about, okay, what's a good way to take minutes out of a meeting and get action items and make sure that people are following up on this? How do you develop a strategic plan? How do you run a meeting effectively? And these are skills that um, you don't learn until you, you do it. And you, you come out of residency training and, you know, you're leading a team. And if you don't have these skills in terms of uh, growing your team and managing your team, it can be challenging. So I think those were really valuable to me. Uh, early on. I had mentioned the um, medical student mentorship program, and, you know, that really was a, a one of my first major exercises in herding cats. Um, and, you know, I, I do, I do a lot of that. Uh, and I think that learning how to do that in a way where um, you can get everybody to the table, where it's benefiting everybody, everybody's winning, and it's worth their time and their volunteerism is, is crucial. And I think that's been another great thing that I learned from participation. Do you think that there are any uh, skills that can also be brought to kind of the, the clinical practice side of things from being involved in organized neurosurgery? Oh, absolutely. You know, uh, I, I think there's that old saying, you know, if you want to learn about something, give a grand rounds on it or give a talk. And, you know, I think um, when you're involved in organized neurosurgery, people know you. So when people are making uh, the scientific program or looking for lectures, they often invite you to be a speaker. And you can see kind of the trajectory of speakers. It's always the um, most junior uh, person that's invited to give a talk. 
talk about, you know, the basic mechanisms of pain or, you know, what is spinal cord stimulation or what is deep brain stimulation. And so I think there's an opportunity to learn some, some basic things there. And then as you evolve, um, you start talking about, okay, here's how I do the procedure. And it, it's important, not only that you know how to do the procedure, obviously, but that you can explain it. I think that helps train residents and fellows and, you know, can really um, help kind of change the field. I, I think there's so many things we do in functional neurosurgery in particular that, you uh, weren't necessarily in textbooks, but became known by one person advocating a, a new technique, you know, so for instance, um, you know, Kelly Oaken published, uh, I'm sorry, I combined Kelly Foote and Mike Oaken's names, um, Kelly Foote, you know, published on um, drilling down the cranium to um, countersink the extensions in DBS. And, you know, that is something that you learn and you hear stories about and, um, you know, that can really change practice. So I think by participating as a speaker at all levels, you know, you're increasing your knowledge base, you're learning how to teach, and you're, you're sharing knowledge so that best practices really develop, especially in your subspecialty. Um, so as, as you've done this, uh, been involved in organizing neurosurgery over time, um, how would you say that your role and kind of the time commitment has changed throughout the course of your career? So, you know, I was um, extremely involved in organized neurosurgery uh, early on. And, you know, I, I, and I continue to, to be very involved. I'm president-elect of ASSFN and of um, NANS, which isn't neurosurgery, but has a strong neurosurgery component. So um, I remain involved. I think it's just at a, a different level of involvement. And, you know, I think it's similar to all our careers as we go from med student to resident to junior attending to middle management to chair and, you know, beyond where what you're doing um, it, it differs in terms of Okay, the the people doing the work, um, which are you know probably absolutely the most important people, uh, the people writing guidelines, the people um, doing the scientific program, the thing, the people doing advocacy work, and you know then um, over time, you know as you you rise up the ranks, um, you're doing less of the day to day um, work aspect, but you're really helping to set the vision and the strategic plan of whatever aspect of organizing neurosurgery you're, you're involved in. So, you know, I think in many ways, uh, my involvement in organized neurosurgery has um, kind of followed the same trajectory uh, as my career, where I, I get to be in that role now of um, establishing a, a vision and helping the team to execute that vision. That's great. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Politis. And uh, in terms of any advice you have for other people trying to get involved, how do you uh, propose or recommend that um, people who are trying to get involved are able to get their foot in the door? 
Um, I think there's many ways to get involved. You know, it, I think it's almost similar to, you know, when the med student is coming to you and saying, you know, how can I, how can I get involved or how can I make a good impression? And a lot of it is showing up, um, you know, more of it is smiling and um, being socially appropriate. And then if you actually know something or do something, um, it can bring you further. So showing up is the, the first step. Um, one of my, I actually um, forgot about this as I was speaking. Um, I was my first actual position in organized neurosurgery was through young neurosurgeons, so I think that's a great way. Um, I think reaching out to any of the subspecialties that you are interested in and their leadership is another great way. We are always looking for medical student, resident, fellow members. I think finding projects, much as you guys have done, um, that you can create and make your own is a, is a way to um, really kind of leverage your own personal brand and your expertise. Uh, you know, just make sure that's something that you, you really like to do too. Um, and, and, you know, I think even if it's not, you meet people along the journey that really become um, your lifelong friends. Uh, and, and now, you know, when I think about um, who my good friends are, uh, a lot of those I have met through organized neurosurgery. That's great. Is there a certain time in one's career where involvement in organized neurosurgery may have a more meaningful impact or is it good to get involved whenever possible? Yeah, I don't think there's any right answer. Um, you know, I would say that much like, um, education, you know, it's harder to go back and get another degree than rather than just do it when you're in the midst of it. Um, you know, I, I think getting involved in new endeavors gets harder the uh, older you get and the more senior you get. Sometimes, you know, you feel like um, you should already know how to do that stuff. So it, it gets hard to get involved. So I would say, honestly, the earliest, the better, but the earlier, the better. But I, I'm not trying to be exclusionary. Things happen, and there's a lot of reasons why people don't get involved till later. So, you know, we are always looking for people at any stage of their career to get involved. Um, there's so many things that um, we need to get done, and there's levels of expertise um, that are needed for all of those things, which run the gamut from medical student to senior faculty. Mm -hmm. And if people are already involved in some organizations, but they're hoping to get that upwards trajectory towards a leadership position, uh, what advice do you have to help them increase uh, their role, the scope of their role and visibility to, to organizations? Mm -hmm. um, that's a great question. And I think this is, again, another one of these ways that organized neurosurgery it parallels the neurosurgical career. Um, it is great to do great work. Uh, but unfortunately, life is not always a, a meritocracy. So not only do you have to do that great work, but you have to find a, a way to shine a light on that work. And, you know, I think there's multiple ways to gracefully self-promote, but I think you need to do it. Um, if that's totally uncomfortable uh, to, uh, to do, which it is for very many people, uh, I think social media is a great way to increase visibility. I think that 
networking is phenomenal. Finding mentors that will uh, introduce you to people, finding sponsors who will put your name forward for different endeavors because they've met you along the way and uh, done a done a great job. I think these are all ways to increase that that visibility. Don't be shy about telling people. Um, that you want to get involved and that, you know, you have a, a goal of doing such and such. It, it's much like when you said you wanted to be a neurosurgeon in medical school. Like once you made that declaration, um, certain things happened. And I, I think that, again, you know, don't be shy about saying what you want. And there's a lot of people that will help you along that journey about functional neurosurgery in general, I think that the um, the board and the people that are members uh, of the society in general um, are really excited about helping people along. And um, feel free to reach out at any time. Um, some of the best leaders and best humans I know are members of ASSFN. It is a great group for sure. <laughs> Um, and what advice would you have against spreading oneself too thin or getting over-involved? Um, how and when do you turn down certain opportunities? Oh, this is another a great lifelong question. Um, you know, I, I was always wondering through every step of my career, I was like, when do I get to say no? Um, because there's so many things, uh, and so many times where you feel like you, you need to say yes. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that at first, um, you, you just try to say yes as much as possible, and that should be a little bit of your default. Okay, so say you say yes to three things, and you can't possibly take on anything else. You know, what I say to... Um, uh, what I said to my faculty when I was a department chair is, okay, you know, if you need a pause so that you don't get roped into saying yes, which is a common thing to happen to junior faculty, say you have, say you have to check with me. And it wasn't necessarily that they had to check with me, but it just gave them the moment to reflect on this and to have an out strategy that would work. Oftentimes also keep in mind that, you know, I, I know you're great and I know the people are asking you to do things because you're great, but um, what we also need sometimes is just somebody to do something. So if you can't do something, um, think about some of your friends and colleagues that are involved and put another name forward. And then you, then I've forgotten that you can't even do it, like because you've solved my problem for me. There are times that um, it, one of the things you don't want to do is if somebody emails you or calls you, um, don't blow it off. Uh, you know, even if you have to say no, that's fine. And you know, people will forget that you said no, or you couldn't right now, or you had to do something, or you needed to delay, or you could only carve out this amount of time, or whatever it was, as long as you do it up front and quickly. Um, even better if you can find somebody else to fill the void. <clears throat> to summarize and kind of recap some of what you've covered before, um, can you highlight the main benefits of uh, becoming involved in these organizations for career development so that, you know, any listeners out there uh, can can get motivated and and find the avenues to to get involved if if they so desire. 
Absolutely. So I'd say, you know, first and foremost, you're going to become a, a better doctor because you're going to better understand the ecosystem in which you work, whether that's in private practice or whether that's in academia. Um, we're all teachers to our staff and to our patients, and I think that can be very helpful. Uh, second, I think you learn a lot of skills that will help you in being a good manager um, or leader or both that are easily transferable. And, you know, third, I think you really have the opportunity to impact the field and make a long lasting difference uh, for neurosurgery or functional neurosurgery by being a part of the people that create the vision or the guidelines or the best practices. Um, and most importantly, the neurosurgeons of the future. Those are all great points. And thank you so much for sharing your insight and your experience with us. Well, I'm really so excited that you offered the opportunity. Um, thank you very much. Of course. Uh, and thank you to all of our listeners for joining us as well. Uh, stay tuned for our next episode. Take care.